Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by it Green. Is. It is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. You don't live in Cleveland. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of Cincinnati. And yes, that sound you heard there was me slapping my thigh in uh, forceful excitement and an agreement. Uh, This is indeed episode 93. I hope you're all well and keeping safe and getting through this weird period. Um, Joining me on the end of, uh, and still on the end of a virtual line, is Nathan Palmer. Nathan, hello. How are you doing, my son? Are you... Alive and well? Well, yes. No, I'm not alive, Nathan. This is a pre-recorded holographic message. Uh, no, I'm okay. How about you? you you've survived yeah, your holiday. I have survived indeed. Um, lots of masks being worn in Europe. Um, yeah, nice weather and nice to nice to get away for a few days and escape the madness. But um, yeah, all good. How you been, my son? Yeah, okay, nothing much to report. I've been keeping or trying to keep myself safe and sound. And uh, it's been nice that the cricket's been back. I've been getting into that. Um, the Bengals UK cricket team is really coming together as well, isn't it? There's been a lot of nice take up from Bengals fans around the UK. And I think, you know, I reckon we could get an 11 out of the way it's going. I think we've got so much interest. We might have to field two, a two 11s, you know, in a first 11 and wow. a second 11. Well, uh, that is the plan. You've left the cat. You've let the cat out of the bag, there, Nathan. But yes, we we may well be having a bit of a cricket match next summer. I think if all goes well, because there are a few keen cricket fans amongst our ranks over here. So uh, we're trying to work out uh, who wants to play. So if you want to play, just get in touch and tell us, and we'll try and figure out a venue. And uh... we're doing a, a tour of the West Indies. Oh my god! Can you imagine? That would be that would be touring fun. the touring the islands, playing like local like fourth elevens and stuff like that. That outrageous, wouldn't it? I'd be well up for that, and I think uh, even a fourth eleven would be miles better than I would be. But I'd I'd be willing to give it a go if it's in Barbados, I think, or uh, Kingston in Jamaica. Same, same. I'd be I'd be up for it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now you've been away for a week, and uh, you know things. Have, I, I do wonder whether you keep up with the news and everything. So I've got some. Tr- a lot has been happening since you've been away, Nathan. So I'm going to give you a little test on the Bengals news that's come out in the past week. So, right, true or false? Joe Burrow, Sam Hubbard, and Drew Sample were pictured together. I think in Cincinnati. Taps off their. Uh, Smooth, hairless torsos, shimmering with perspiration uh, after <laughs> a workout. So I'm getting quite excited there. Uh, but they look like a boy band in that picture. Is that true or false? Well, I mean, from the way you described it, even if I didn't know it was true, I would definitely say it's true because the level of detail you went into. But <laughs> actually, Joe Boy looking uh, looks like he's getting in, in a bit of shape, doesn't he, geezer? He looks like um, he looks like he's been taking a page out of your book, my son. Oh my god. Uh, if he was taking a page out of uh, my book, I think he'd uh, have to enter into pre-season training in about January, I think, <laughs> rather than June or July. But no, it was true. Uh, Burrow is in the area and for some reason all got together with his mates and took his tops off and they all shimmered, as I say, in the sunlight uh, with their perspiration dripping 
Uh, <laughs> You're right there, so Of their bodies. Uh, he looked a bit like an action man, I have to say. It was, it was sort of that sort of... He looked, a bit, he looked quite top-heavy, the geezer, didn't he? He did. He's obviously been putting on a few muscle pounds. and uh, uh, But the good news is he's, he's kind of, you know... Um, in the area, he's in the five-one-three area, and he's ready to go. By the looks of it, uh, how exciting! Yeah, so he's a bit like a legend in the uh, sort of rolling around the city. Like people have spotted him in certain places, but we need a geezer to sign. Yes, and we need him in the building, and we need him frying some passes at training camp this coming week. Absolutely, and I, I don't think there's any problem with him not signing. Uh, it's just a case of just you know. Docking the I's and crossing the T's, so to speak. Uh, a bunch of rookies have signed uh, between uh, this week and when we last spoke to Nathan before he headed off uh, on his on his travels. Um, but yeah, he's he's going to be signed at some point. Uh, it's soon. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that really. Uh, okay, true or false? Randy Bulock has offered to play quarterback if Borrow, Finley, and Dolagala uh, come down with COVID. And was even seen working out with Desmond Briscoe and Armand Bins. Hundred percent true that mate. There's no, there's no <laughs> doubt that's true. <laughs> Do you remember we went into the season with Desmond Briscoe and Armand Bins as our one-two combo? Do you remember that? Well, it wasn't a one-two combo. I think uh... mate, it was a hundred percent. We went into the season with Armand Bins, and I'm pretty sure Briscoe was number two. Honestly, I'm, I'm sure of it. No, no. I mean, they were like three well, we and did. four or something like that. There was a point where Bins was at least the number two receiver on our roster, and he was like starting, and they sort of went with it for a few weeks, and they were like, "This is shit. We need to <laughs> change over." Because he had he had one good touchdown where he like caught the ball, yeah, and then he just like peeled. I think it was against Miami, and he just peeled away down the sidelines for like fifty yarder, and you're like, "Well, this geezer's not bad." Yeah, but then no, just, bin, Bins it. and Briscoe showed some flashes. To be fair, but Binsy, as I like to call him, has a uh, had a, had a good sort of physical, uh, like good physical measurements. You know what I mean? He looked like a good, uh, good height, good size for a wide receiver, but uh, it didn't quite work out for him, did it? Poor old Armin, uh, who works at the University of Cincinnati now. I seem I, does he indeed? There we go. Uh, true or false? Rookie? No. Okay, I'll leave this one to the end. True or false, Bobby Hart has gone a whole week without posting anything offensive or controversial on his social media feeds. Absolutely false. I honestly could not tell you because I don't follow uh, Bobby, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if that was false. After the he's, he's getting a bit yippy with people now, isn't he? He's getting a little bit like he's saying like because he, he I think I saw that he um, published on his Twitter his pro football focus improvements from like being slightly below average, slightly more like, you know, slightly better, but still about average below average yeah. and saying, like, no, no one's tweeting me now. No one's tweeting me now, but it just feels like he's a bit angry to geezer. And I hope that that manifests itself in improved play um, in 2020. And he sticks a middle finger up to all the fans because he's had a pro bowl season, but you know, I'm not, I can't say I'm too confident about that. We shall see. And finally, true or false, rookie defensive end uh, Kendall Futrell was placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. I'm going to say false. I'm afraid that is true. Uh, Kendall, oh, really? Kendall or Kendall 
whatever way you want to call him, unfortunately was placed on this new reserve list, which basically means you are either in isolation and quarantine because you have COVID or because you have symptoms or something like that, you know, uh, and waiting for a so test. So the whole of the Miami Marlins baseball team then? Well, um, I thought I'd leave that question to, to the end because it does lead neatly into, you know, as we know, training camp has kind of started uh, more or less today. We're recording this on Monday the 27th. So the boys are back in town, which is exciting. Um Cases in the States continue to rise. Baseball is back. Um, but today we heard that the Miami Marlins, I think there was eight cases or something like that. And it's, it's like, what happens? What what does happen? And there's a really fantastic article on NFL.com about what a training camp in the NFL might look like. And Dr. Alan Sills, the NFL chief medical officer, said in an interview that it won't feel normal because it won't be normal. So what what can we... Uh, it, it, the article is almost like in a Q&A fashion. So let me just pick out some points here. How much will the players be tested? A lot. Players can't even enter their team's building before passing two COVID tests that are administered 72 hours apart. Uh, starting Tuesday and continuing through July the 31st, players show up, take a test, go home and self-isolate, wait 27, sorry, 72 hours take another test um that's kind of you know so they're obviously testing rigorously there which is great there how many practices will there be um because there were no otas or mini camps the league and players union agree to dramatically change the structure of camp and the resulting schedule is essentially a mashup of otas and training camp from august the 3rd through to the 11th Players will have an acclimation period, 60 minutes in the weight room and 60 minutes of on-field conditioning. Um, in addition to strength and conditioning work, teams can have 60-minute walkthroughs on each of the first four days and 75-minute walkthroughs on each of the last four days. Uh, and then there's a gradual ramp-up period, which runs from August the 12th to the 16th, uh, the first practice can be 90 minutes with 15 minutes increases each day uh, up to a maximum of two hours. Players are allowed to be on the field 3.5 hours daily. So the remainder of the time will be spent in walkthroughs. On the 12th and 13th, players can wear helmets. And on the 14th and 16th, they can wear helmets and shells but have no live contact. Finally, from the August the 17th through to September the 6th, 14 padded practices will be allowed. Um, and then it says, well, that doesn't seem like much. And it's not, it's, the article says, especially because there are no joint scrimmages and no pre-season games. It will be certainly be hard for coaches to evaluate their rosters, blah, 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 blah. Uh, what else will be done to try to keep players healthy? All team personnel will wear high-tech contact tracing monitors which should help the league immediately determine who came into close contact with players who test positive. Uh, the agreement between the league and the union also restricts high-risk COVID-19 conduct off the field, things like being uh, at an outdoor nightclub or bar or being at an indoor house party with more than 15 people, or and then you can add indoor concerts to that, pro sports events, religious services, 
etc etc it says uh, players can opt out if they don't want to play uh, at all during the season like uh, the chiefs guard um Laurent Duvernay Tardif who did that last week Will there be more players on the roster? Teams can have as many as 90 players on the roster until August the 16th, when everybody must have 80. But only 80 players are allowed in the facility at one time, so a team that has more players in the first weeks of camp would have to plan split squad workouts. Practice squads squads will have 16 players, and four of them can be protected weekly from being acquired by another team. Uh, and it says, is it conceivable? This is really interesting. So I am reading through this because I think it's quite important, all this kind of bits and stuff. So apologies. Is it conceivable a team would have to shut down temporarily because of an outbreak? Yes. There has been no number given or what conditions would have to be present. But Dr. Seals has made it clear that there are scenarios where a team would have to stop working because of an outbreak in the building. That opens up the possibility that a team could have to postpone and reschedule games or, more unlikely, forfeit a game this season. And yes, that same possibility exists for the league as a whole. Conditions on teams and in the country could force it to stop temporarily. Um, and then it goes on to ask whether does anyone have an advantage as they prepare for the season and quite... Rightly, the author, I think it's Judy Batista, um, says that teams that turned over their rosters have a lot of familiarisation ahead of them. The teams returning their coaches and most of their rosters, especially starting quarterbacks like the Chiefs and Saints, are far ahead of the pack before they even step on the field. Right, you can do some talking now, Nathan. Um, there's a lot to digest there, but I think the most interesting thing is about... What happens if there is an outbreak like we've seen with the Miami Marlins uh, baseball team? Uh, that I said, you know, that that opens up the possibility that team could have to postpone and reschedule games or more unlikely forfeit a game this season. I think there's two things here, one pertaining to the league as a whole and one to the Bengals specifically. I think as the league as a whole, it just feels like a mess. I mean, you've seen in baseball, they've you know taken this approach with how they're going to do it. They've reduced the amount of games that are being played. And already you've seen there's a guy on the Cincinnati Reds that came out and tested positive. You've got a variety of players in the Miami Marlins. So you've got to um, you know, close and postpone a couple of those games. And it's going to happen across the league. You just can't, with the amount of players that are on teams in baseball, basketball, whatever else you're not going to stop these people from making risky decisions. I mean, I think there was a guy um, I just read literally before we got on this podcast, a basketball player for the LA Clippers. It was in like a strip club in Atlanta or something crazy. Um, and he's now got a quarantine for 10 days, missed the first two games of the season. And you're just going to have situations here where people on teams, when there's 90 players on teams that are coming into the facility or whatever, that are going to, take risks as they do already and you see players across the league that get done for DUIs, get done for all sorts of different stuff. You're telling me there's not going to be guys that are going to parties or that are going to events or that are breaking the rules there. I just I just unfortunately think it it just feels like a disaster waiting to happen. And I don't want to be negative because I really want there to be a season. I'd love to watch the NFL. I'd love to see Joe Burrow play. I'd love to see the Bengals play. But I just feel like 
those rules that you've just read out feel complex, difficult to enforce, and not particularly very fun. And I don't understand why the NFL is so persistent on trying to get this season going on the specific start there. I don't know why they're not saying, look, we've got some time here. We've got a huge off-season. We're fortunate in the fact that we've got a short season that we could play a game every fortnight. We could play, you know, into March or April. I just don't know why they're hell bent on getting it going. And moving into my second point, just quickly on the Bengals specifically, no preseason games. And you were talking there about the practices, some padded towards the end of the, I think you said 14 padded practices before the season begins for a rookie quarterback and a guy like AJ green, who's not played a, contact game in over 18 months John Ross who has always had issues with his um, durability and stuff like that and obviously knowing how many injuries the Bengals had last year and have had in the last couple of years I just question whether or not these players are going to be anywhere near game shape going into the first game of the season it's one thing I imagine going through training camp and getting yourself physically fit but to go into these contact games with very very limited amounts of um pre-season action or anything similar just feels dangerous and it feels like for us as a team in terms of how competitive we'll be I think with a rookie quarterback we're going to be at a distinct disadvantage you can like Burrow as much as you want there's a lot of hype around and we saw on the the game that we played on the Bengals UK uh, the final Bengals UK watch party this Sunday that we've got a hell of a talent on our hands in Burrow but for him to come in without any pre-season, without any sort of, you know, slightly bizarre training camp, to just expect him to come in against the Chargers first game of the season and play at a high level with having not played for nearly a year just feels, I don't know, it just feels slightly crazy. Um, yeah, you've got to add in also the amount of potential new defensive starters uh, picked up in free agency. Yeah, um, absolutely. I do think, actually, there's a chance that COVID, this whole COVID thing might unfortunately and perversely level the playing fields as well because like you said you know the Bengals won't be in game shape every team won't be in game shape you know the start of the season don't look out for some quality football it'll be messy it'll be you know full of penalties no doubt underprepared players the players have got to get got to make sure they're they're right physically first and foremost. So there's going to be some hell, hell of a lot of injuries, potentially. Um, but every team has got to get into game shape. My worry is that the, just the as Paul Dana, I guess, last week kind of said, the just, just the sheer amount of new pieces on our team, new players that are coming either via the draft or... The, I mean, how many new defensive starters will we have? We're looking at... We're looking at, say, three new offensive starters. You know, you're looking at Xavier Suofilo, potentially, obviously Burrow, and then uh, and potentially T. Higgins as well. But defensively, you're looking at DJ Reader. You're looking at Josh Bynes and Logan Wilson in the linebackers. You're looking at Von Bell. You're looking at Trey Waynes. You're looking at Mackenzie Alexander. That's Absolutely. what. There's like six potential starters right there. And then you you know bring in the likes of Akeem Davis Gaither and uh, Khalid Kareem and all these guys you know it's I don't know it's it's dicey but then again every team has to do that but the Bengals just seem to have more new pieces than pretty much everyone else so who knows what's going to happen I, I I do think yeah, what do you I mean, what, what do you think in terms of 
the season itself, son, like honestly and openly, do you think they should postpone it? Do you think they should push it back? Do you think they should yeah, cancel I w- it? Yeah, I would have postponed it until November, potentially, or October at the earliest. Because uh, the level of just the amount of cases in America is ju- they just have not. And I'm not blaming this is not a political point or blaming anyone, particularly here, although everyone has their own views on that, I guess. Um, I just think with the amount of new cases, and this is. Unlike cricket, for instance, over here, where they've created biosecure bubbles where the players just don't leave one venue for about three weeks and play a couple of games there, uh, there is no biosecure bubble in the NFL. And it's kind of worked okay in our premiership and you know, football teams go to, uh, go to different grounds, I guess, and they're heavily tested. But the, the, we're talking about... Um, a, a bunch of guys, what, you're looking at 25 max for a football squad with, with the coaches and the operations staff and the actual squad of players, maybe 25, maybe? Um, yeah. Here yeah. you're looking at, certainly for training camp, up to 90 people. Uh, so you suddenly kind of, the odds of you, you know, spreading uh, a virus or contracting it has greatly increased, really. So... Yeah, mate. Well, I, I, I think, I think, me personally, I've, I've always been quite cautious about this. Um, I, I would, I would, I would definitely, if it was me, I'd definitely put it back till October, November time. I think, and then yeah, have a, have I, a break at Christmas, and then carry on until sort of February, March time, you know, and have the Super Bowl in March or something like that. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, exactly like you said, and I agree. You're, like, you're talking about 90 guys, you're talking about 25 staff, 110 people, uh, 120 people per team, let's say, times that by 32. Do you know what I mean? And you're talking about three to 4,000 people, roughly, that you've got to keep clean. And I just think that they're in close proximity to each other. And this is, again, and this is absolutely not, like you said, not a political point, but... In the UK, in Europe at the moment, a lot more things tend to be closed. You've got a lot more people wearing masks. The cases are at a much lower level at the moment. Um, that's not to say that won't change or has been different in the past. But just on the numbers, the US at the moment, about 70,000 cases a day that are getting confirmed. I know they're doing a lot of testing, as um, Donald Trump says, and that therefore we'll get more cases because you're able to catch people that actually do have it. But I just wonder really, I mean... You get, you're catching these people with cases, you're getting 60,000, 70,000 a day. Invariably, you're going to catch people like you did with the Marlins and stuff like that. I just think you really risk sucking the fun out of this season because, you know, everyone wants there to be football. Everyone does. It's a shame that this whole year has been a mess. But I think you've got to be careful that you don't just run this for the sake of running it. I mean, take the biggest, for me, and I think for most people with the NFL, it's the whole atmosphere, the whole product. It's not just the guys throwing the ball around on the field. It's tailgating. It's, you know, the actual in-game experience. It's the atmosphere. It's the fantasy football leading up to every, everything that encompasses the whole NFL. The entertainment of it is just incredible. And I think if you just dumb it down to this really sterile sort of experience in the stadium where, you know, it's constantly marred by who's tested positive, who hasn't. Can Carlos done that play this week? Oh, no, he can't because he's tested positive. Oh, it means he's got to be out for three weeks. Or, oh, actually, this game's got to be postponed. Or, actually, we might have to forfeit this game because 10 guys have got COVID and we can't field a team. Or, 
you know, Randy Bullock does end up playing quarterback. I mean, <laughs> it, it just it just feels a bit too soon, you know, to think that we're moving into August next week or this week, begging my pardon, it's Saturday, isn't it? But, you know, to think there's going to be NFL football live, proper action against the Chargers in six weeks' time baffles me. And I just, I'm, I think it might be interesting to see what happens in the baseball season to see if, if that gets worse or it gets un, sort of un, I can't think of the right word, but like it gets sort of it, they can't do it basically. That's, yeah, you yeah. know, my unbelievable uh, vocabulary coming out there. <laughs> but um, if they can't run it and they just said that we can't do this, it's not workable. Then it might have knock-on effects to the NFL, and the same with um, the basketball season. But yeah, I don't know. For me, I feel slightly more negative about the whole thing this week than I have in the past couple of weeks. It just feels like a big, big exercise here and that one that might be going a bit too far. Well, there you go, listeners. We do pride ourselves on having a laugh and being entertaining, but uh, we've just spouted <laughs> off loads of negativity. Not not because we particularly like doing, but I think these things have to be discussed because as fans, we're going to be paying for Game Pass and all kinds of things over you, you here. Got all these... Yeah, you got all these listeners that have come on the podcast wanting to get pumped about the season coming up. Yeah. And they're absolutely like, you know, they're absolutely flagging at the minute after that rant, haven't they? But yeah. who day anyway? <laughs> okay, well, uh, we are going to proceed. We, we're going to talk some football. And uh, as promised uh, last week, uh, we've got a couple of other Bengals UK fans uh, from the UK ready to talk about uh, training camp. So we're going to switch to Zoom and uh, we're going to chat about the battles, who's who's under pressure, who's who's a lock, and all the rest of it. Uh, so bear with us while we switch over to Zoom. So yes, as promised, we switched over to Zoom. You might notice a difference in sound quality, but there we go. That's Zoom for you. Uh, and with us uh, for this training camp preview stroke discussion. Uh, stroke, whatever it, the hell it is, it's uh, Peter Danswell at Dadders and Jamie Rowe uh, at Trequart Beaster. Jamie, hello. Hello, Paul. How are you? Not too bad, and you? I'm all right. I'm, 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 I'm doing just about fine. I see from the wonders of uh, Zoom, you've managed to get your hair cut, haven't you? Yeah, that, that was a, a couple of months overdue, uh, to be honest, but um quarter of an hour of of no little uh, panic, and I managed to get through it all. Good. Pete, uh, no danger of haircuts for you, I'm afraid, but uh, I hope you're well. (laughs) Yeah, not too bad, gentlemen. Uh, My missus does my hair for me. It doesn't take that long. Okay, very good. Right, so we're going to go through uh, some position groups. Um, We've just been talking at length about the COVID situation and how sort of worried we are. And I do think that if you've got, if you are in possession of a roster spot from last year, you in a prime, you're in prime position basically, because making changes for changes' sake at this point seems to be a little bit ridiculous. Um, but so let's start with quarterbacks. Really, um, we've got obviously Joe Burrow, who will start. We've got uh, on the bench as backups. We've got Ryan Finley and Jake Dolagala. What are we expecting there, Pete? What would you say? Are we going to keep three? Is there a real competition for primary backup there? Um, it did come as a little bit of a surprise that we had three last year. 
And I think that was largely because the coaches were enamoured with the strong arm of Dolagala. And he had only had a brief showing in, in pre-season. Um, but we're now investing in Joe Burrow. He's going to be the future for the next decade or two. Um, will they bother having a second? Will they bother having Dolagala? What will he provide? I think they're invested in Finley. Uh, Finley did more than one would have ex- expected to help us get Joe Burrow. Um, but they, they traded up, they used a pick. I think he will be ahead of Dolagala. Maybe Dolagala will be on the practice squad. I, I think they might want to just keep two and then leave a roster spot free for another position group. That's my gut feeling. Jamie, what about you? How are you feeling about the quarterback position? I know that you're not a huge fan of Ryan Finley. Well, yeah, that's that's quite true. I'm certainly not. Um, Ryan Finley showed us in the games that he played last year that he isn't at the level that we need for someone who conceivably might come in and play quarterback for us. Um, we're one Joe Burrow COVID infection or one Joe Burrow um, broken finger or uh, sprained wrist away from having a different guy in there and the drop-off in talent from Burrow down to Finley um, is quite alarming and really something that we should have um, addressed a lot earlier on in the process. Nathan, would you agree, disagree with that? No, I agree with um, both takes on that, um, to be honest. The only thing I would say, though, that no one, I think, has said yet, with the lack of off-season and, you know, the lack of... Um, sorry, not the lack of off-season, the lack of pre-season, do the coaches think that maybe Ryan Finley, you know, knows the system slightly better? I mean, I know that Zach Taylor said when we drafted Burrow that he'd have to come in and compete. And obviously, everyone assumes Burrow to be the starter. He's certainly the more talented player, but they clearly like Ryan Finley and he knows the system. And I just think in this sort of mess of a COVID situation that we've got, the, the gap there might not be as much as we think, because at least he knows the playbook. He knows the scheme that Zach Taylor's trying to run. Um, and I think it's going to be an uphill battle for Burrow in the current circumstances. I think Burrow will start. I think everyone takes that. But, you know, don't rule out the fact that the coaches might like the fact that Finley knows the system um, and he's a very smart guy by all accounts, Ryan Finley. So the, the drop-off there might not be as much as you think to begin with. Okay, so um, let's just... Jamie, two or three quarterbacks are you keeping? Um, I'm keeping two. And honestly, uh, the two I'm keeping, the Burrow and Dolgala, um, if given the choice out of the current quarterbacks. Um, ideal case scenario is that we bring in someone who has a bit of experience around the league. I've not checked the free agency list recently, um, so I don't know who that guy might be. Um, but the shape of the roster is usually better with two quarterbacks and one on the practice squad, um, just in case. And I, I, I see it as a waste of a, of a roster spot to keep three um, active at all times. Pete, two or three? Two. Okay. Um, and I, I accept Jamie's points, but I just don't think the... I don't, as I said earlier, I think they would go with Finley because they're invested in him. He might have a noodle arm, but he is intelligent. They've invested graphics in him. I think he'll be ahead of Dollar Gala. Okay, let's move on to running backs then. Obviously, the starter is mixing with... 
Giovanni Bernard, we've got Travion Williams, Rodney Anderson, who should be coming back from that ACL injury uh, uh, sustained last year. Uh, we've got, they re-signed Samajay Perrine, a bigger running back. Uh, and they've got the rookie free agent, Jacques Patrick. Um, uh, and also Devoir Whaley, who's supposed to have something about him. Um, how, what, what are your thoughts on that little lot? Any surprises there, uh, Pete? Um, the only surprises to me are the way they use them. Um, because Tribune Williams never touched the ball. No, no runs, no catches last year. We know Anderson was a little bit. Everything is Mixon and Bernard. And yeah, even then, the balance isn't very good. So the third and fourth running backs aren't going to see a great deal of time unless, God forbid, an injury. It's not as if Bengals ever have injuries, is it? <laughs> um, so I, I mean, Mixon and, and Bernard, yeah, absolutely. Uh, love them. Uh, love the, the balance that they provide. Um, Thunder and lightning, if you like. Um, I think Trevion Williams will be a yes. I then I think it's between Anderson and Perrine. Perrine is is the bigger back, as you've said, um, and they may like that thumper. Um, personally, uh, and one of the questions I was going to have for for the panel here is which players in training camp are you most rooting for? And an early shout now. I, I, I want Anderson. I want him um, to succeed. I'm not sure whether he will because of his injuries, but uh, I hope he's the fourth running back. Jamie, just following on from that, um, and conversely from what Pete says, uh, the fact that mix, it was really a Mixon and Bernard show last year. Are you expecting someone like a Travian Williams or a Rodney Anderson or a Samaji Perrine to see more action this year? I'm not convinced unless there's an injury. Um, I think this is is pretty much the Joe Mixon offense with sort of the the odd cameo by Gio Bernard, but I don't even think that he's going to get an awful lot of of playing time um, this year. I think we're going Mixon or bust. Um, Samaj Perrine is interesting. Um, I think in previous years we've lacked a short yardage guy. I think Joe Mixon showed last year that if you gave him two yards to get, he'd usually uh, get it. So I'm not sure there's there's the need for, for that kind of big running back anymore. Um, Rodney Anson, like Pete says, um, he's had a heck of a history with injuries. But we saw from, from camp and uh, preseason last year that there is a player there. There, there really is um, a, ta- a talented uh, football player um, in Rodney Anderson. So Nathan, just bringing the any key battles you see there is it indeed bet- between Anderson and Perrine for that perhaps if they're going to keep four running backs, and it should also be mentioned that the Bengals play mostly in eleven personnel with just one running back, and I know lots of people would love for us to incorporate a fullback into uh, our running game. It's just not going to happen, is it, under Zach's scheme? Um, do you think, Nathan, that it is a straight competition between Anderson and Perrine? Yeah, absolutely, I do. I think Perrine will make the roster as well. I think he's a bit more experienced guy. I think he can play some special teams. Like Jamie said, he's a big guy as well. I just think it's going to be hard for Rodney Anderson to get enough 
uh, to show enough in this limited um, pre-season, whatever that looks like, to really make his mark. I think in a normal four-game season, he could get some reps, he could shine, he could maybe force his way onto the roster. But I think the Bengals are going to go with the um, know what they have and go with the experience. They like Perrine enough to bring him back, having previously cut him. So I think he probably is ahead in that battle at the moment. Right, let's move on to one of the most intri- more intriguing position groups on the roster, I think. Um, wide receiver, we've got AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, Auden Tate, John Ross, Mike Thomas, Alex Erickson, Stanley Morgan, Damien Willis, Scotty Washington, Demarcus Lodge. Uh, I completely forgot about Demarcus Lodge, actually. And uh, Trenton Irwin. Now, I'm going to put forward an argument saying that I think Ericsson's place is under threat here. Uh, after a pretty poor year last season, I think his uh, uh, special team's worth has gone down with the rise of Darius Phillips as well. I think, um, you know, you've got some great talent there and I'm keeping at least six. So for me, it's a toss-up between Mike Thomas, Ericsson, Stanley Morgan. Uh, I think, and Morgan's very valuable in terms of special teams. So, I don't know, Pete. What you say, What do you think about the wide receiver room? There's a lot of I'm talent keep, there. Yeah, I'm keeping seven, right. largely because of uh, AJ Green's injury record of late. I'm totally with you on uh, the fact that Ericsson's place is under um, uh, under threat. Um, I hear what you're saying about the uh, special team's strength. That's what Mike, Michael Thomas was brought in for. He was uh, um, very good at the LA Rams on special teams. So I think he could sneak on there because of his dual ability. Always liked Demarcus Lodge um, when he was at Old Miss and surprised me that he, he never really made it or hasn't so far. So I'd love to see him do well, but um, I suspect he might end up on the practice squad. It's seven for me, and if there's going to be any surprise, then it may be au revoir to Ericsson because, of, as you said, his, um, his worth in special teams is going to be overtaken now. Jamie, uh, how, how are you viewing the wide receiver room? Uh, I'm viewing six. Um, I think keeping seven again is probably just one too many in terms of, of um, your distribution um, between the, the, the position groups on the roster, I would much rather have that for for deeper positions um, or, I suppose, more kind of equitable positions between um, those last guys on the roster. Um, obviously, the first three are definite. So Green, Boyd and Higgins are definitely there. John Ross should be there unless there's a trading partner or... Um, something goes sort of badly right with him. Um, Auden Tate is a player that I think is slightly overrated, mm. um, particularly by Bengals fans. But as a wide receiver five, he's a good guy to have around. Um, you know what you're getting with him. You're getting a good jump. You're getting reasonable hands. Um, perhaps the sort of dynamism isn't quite there with him but he does the role of a receiving tight end um, more than you could argue any of our tight ends do um mike thomas as uh pete says uh, special teams he knows the scheme um i think he's wide receiver number six and i think erickson misses out 
because he just didn't give us enough on offense um, over his time. Can I just come back on that? I mean, I am surprised at your, your view on Tate, um, just because of his cut radius. And I, I know what you say, but we know that means that days at LSU that Burrow likes that um, back shoulder, further back pylon. He's um, sort of inside the red zone. You've got Green, who's a master of that. Higgins has shown he's a master of that, and Tate as well. We're not going to miss Eifert in the red uh, uh, in the red zone when you've got those three. Um, so I think that Tate will prove his worth for not the quantity of catches, but um, spectacular catches to move the sticks and in that red zone. Nathan, anything to add to that? Anything? Any personnel on the outside that might uh, might come into the starting six or seven? Do you think? I think it'll be very difficult. Like I said before, I think the fact that the pre-seasons are happening is going to be very difficult for a guy to really sort of make his mark, a bit like Willis did last pre-season. I think there's a lot of guys that will be um, interesting practice squad options and hopefully they can develop. Um, other than that, I think much like the guys said, I think Alden Tate will make it. I think Jamie's got a fair point about him being slightly overrated. I think he's quite a lovable guy, Alden Tate, because he's got that huge catch radius. He's a big lad. He's made some spectacular catches, especially in the London game. Um, it'll be interesting to see what we've got with Mike Thomas. I know, like Pete said, he's a very good special teams guy at the Rams. Um, I know Zach Taylor worked with him in the past. There's a bit of a connection there as well, which might um, be of benefit to him. But I think it's going to be between him and Alex Erickson if they go with six. If it's seven, then I think he'll probably sneak on. So uh, sneak on. Uh, all I'd say about the wide receiver room, even though I think Ericsson's in a bit of trouble and has got a lot to prove, uh, don't discount the COVID effect. And Alex is obviously uh, in with the system, in with the coaches. He knows the, he knows the deal there. So, so I think that, I think that la- those last spot or last two spots, depending on how, how many they decide to keep, that's really uh, an interesting one to watch. Uh, less interesting, I think, is the tight end. I think they're going to keep three. It's got to be Uzoma. Uh, it's got to be, obviously, Drew Sample, who you hope will take uh, the next step. And really, it's got to be Seathan Carter, really. And they, they just don't use tight ends, do they, Jamie? And um, I don't, I mean, we've also got Mason Shrek, Morris Boehringer, Jordan Franks, and Mitchell Wilcox, who's a, uh, an, uh, an undrafted free agent rookie. I can't see anyone threatening those top three. Yeah, it's um, the tight end room. I, I think as a de- um, as a design of the scheme, we don't use tight ends, and therefore the tight end room doesn't look particularly. Um, it doesn't inspire confidence uh, in the way that that other clubs would. Um, I think certainly Sample and Uzoma are, are absolute locks for the uh, for the roster. Carter, yeah, um, he's fine. Though, right? Yeah, yeah he's, he's 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 done a lot of special teams work. I'm amazed that Mason Shrek is still there. Um, he's shown he's shown me nothing um, for for the amount of time that he's actually been in and around the roster. I mean, he's had a few injuries, which I suppose um, I suppose kind of played the hand against him. But um, he he's not. Uh, he's not inspiring any kind of great confidence from me in there. Uh, Mitchell Wilcox, as you mentioned, probably um, a practice squad candidate. Um, 
the practice squads this year are up to 16. So mm-hmm. um, we could have an awful lot of players just sort of hanging around. Well, let's go on to offensive line. Everyone's favourite subject as a Bengals fan. <laughs> um, okay, these are the people that we've got. Jonah Williams, Michael Jordan, Trey Hopkins, Xavier Surfilo, Fred Johnson, Bobby Hart, Billy Price, Hakeem Adenogy, the rookie, Alex Redmond, Isaiah Prince, Josh Nipfel, the rookie, O'Shea Dugas, and Clay Cordasco, another rookie. Pete, I think it's fairly straightforward, this one. Whether we like it or not, I think it's fairly straightforward. Um, I'm, uh, you know... You're looking at those, you know, Williams, Jordan, Hopkins, Surfilo, and quite probably, I think a lot of people would hope, Fred Johnson to, to win that starting right tackle. And then you've got the reserves, probably Bobby Hart, Billy Price, Akeem Adenogy, Alex Redmond, and you've got the rest of the guys looking. I think that's fairly straightforward to you. Yeah, no, I think the... the main battles there are the right tackle as you've said Fred Johnson versus um, Bobby Hart um, and then the issue is how many we'll keep we have often kept 10 I could see us only keeping 9 is Alex Redmond going to kick on uh, he's been a bit of a disappointment uh, much liked by our um, O-line coaches but he's never really performed and um, I, I wonder whether okay, Dugas might get more of a look in, or even Isaiah Prince, who I, I've quite liked. Um, so yeah, I think it's it is relatively straightforward. It's um, not the most inspiring group, but if Fred Johnson kicks on, then maybe it um, it will be average, and uh, an average O line will make a massive difference um, to our offense compared to previous years. Jamie, Fred Johnson or Bobby Hart? Oh, uh, certainly Fred. Oh, I'm... Well, On a cer- football, purely footballing uh, approach and sense. From a purely footballing approach and sense, definitely Fred Johnson over Bobby Hart. Um, from a purely footballing process, sorry, from from a purely footballing uh, perspective, um, I would take probably. O'Shea Dugas over Bobby Hart uh, from a purely footballing process. I would take uh, Adonigi over Bobby Hart. In fact, I would take every tackle on the roster over Bobby Hart because Bobby Hart is terrible and I do not want him on this team anymore. Nathan, anything to add to that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's lucky Jamie's not the offensive line coach, isn't it? Um, oh no, I don't know. I quite like him to be, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, not to be honest with you. No, I, I think I think like Pete said, the aspiration for this unit is going to be average. Um, Fred Johnson is the guy that I think everyone hopes can take that step forward. He was give. I mean, if, if we're talking about anyone being overrated, it's probably actually him. I mean, he got he played well in the last handful of games against. You know when it didn't, you know it didn't matter quite as much. And most you know fans out there were hoping we'd lose every game. So fair play to him. He came in. I know the Steelers were reluctant to let him go, and we got a decent pickup. But I think he's got for him, him to unseat Bobby Hart would be a big achievement on his home. I hope he can do it. 
the Bengals pay Bobby Hart a lot of money. I think Jim Turner rates him. Um, Bobby Hart will tell you from his Twitter feed that on Pro Football Focus, he's rated as roughly around average or just to below average. I don't see them as much as I would quite like them to move on from Bobby Hart. I think, unfortunately, he's going to be the guy um, going forward. And I think we've taken a big gamble on the offensive line. Uh, um, and I hope it doesn't backfire on us. I would say watch out for Billy Price this year. I don't base that on anything particularly, but I think if he's healthy and he's got a real chip on his shoulder now, I don't know. I, I hope he comes good. Okay, let's move to defence. Uh, defensive line, I think this is a bit of a no-brainer as well. You've got Geno Atkins, DJ Reader, obviously. You've got Josh Tupu, who signed, re-signed. Uh, Ryan Glasgow is on his way back, and last year's rookie, Ronell Wren. Uh, and then uh, elsewhere, you have rookies Tyler Clark and Trey Dishon. And Freedom Akinmoladen. Akinmoladen. I don't know whether... Uh, Can you say that again? A... No, I won't. I won't say that again. Um, so anything to add to that? I think it's, that's fairly straightforward. You're looking at Atkins, Reader, Tupu... Glasgow and Ronell Wren for the interior guys, right, Jamie? Um, yeah, I so I can read Wren, Glasgow and Tupu. I think they're all going to be there. Um, they need them rotating. Our biggest issue last year was stopping the run, and I think uh, a healthy rotation on the defensive line is probably the the number one thing we can do. Um, aside from revamping the linebackers group um, to to remedy that. So we've got defensive ends next. Uh, we've got the obviously starters, which is Dunlap and Hubbard. And then uh, you've got uh, Lawson, Kareem, Andrew Brown, and then uh, Kendall Futrell, uh, who we, we, have, we mentioned earlier on in the programme. Again, that I mean, I, I think those first five will, will be the guys, don't you, Pete? I do, yeah. A bit worried. I do think we probably need a little bit more coming off the edge. But yeah, I think those are the guys. We need Lawson to stay fit and to fire, fire on all cylinders. Do you think Lawson is purely a situational pass rusher, or could he be more of a three-down guy, or is Hubbard just too versatile? Uh, I think that's solid depends. and reliable. Actually, it depends on the system because um, we are going to have a varied fronts, and if we go for an odd number front, then you could see Lawson playing a lot more as a um, an outside. Uh, uh, linebacker come uh, past Russia, but if we play an even front, then no, uh, I think he's just there for third downs. Okay, linebackers. I mean, this room last year was pretty bare, actually, but now look at it. We've got Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, Josh Bynes, uh, Akeem Davis Gaither, Austin Calitro, Marcus Bailey, Jordan Evans, Brady Sheldon, Marcel Spears is a rookie. Um, any surprises there? Do you expect them to keep sort of five, Jamie? Um, I have six down um, with kind of Calitro and Bailey as being the the kind of five and six. Um, I think Bynes, Wilson, Pratt and uh, Akeem Davis-Gaither are, are pretty um, locked on to, to be on the roster. I don't see linebacker as being somewhere where you need to keep an awful lot of uh, players in there. Um, however, I'm worried about Marcus Bailey being nicked by another team off our practice squad if we put him there. And I don't want us to run that risk. I think we should do what we did with Dollar Gala, but this year with Marcus Bailey. 
And Nathan, you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be Bailey versus Kalitra if they do if they don't go with as many. Um, both guys, I know, have got the same agent, um, which is going to be an interesting one for them. But yeah, I think it's going to be um, them two versus. And again, it, it comes down to Kalitra is the more experienced guy. Can Bailey flash? Um, and show what you know, show what he's capable of, and make sure he can stay healthy. But that's going to be quite an interesting roster battle between those two, actually. Uh, we're now going to cornerbacks uh, again. A very interesting room: uh, William Jackson, Trey Wayans, Mackenzie Alexander. I, I guess they're pretty much locks. Then you've got Darius Phillips, Lashawn Sims, Tony Brown, Greg Mabin, Tory McTyre, and Winston Rose. Pete, how many are you keeping, and who are you keeping? Um, William Jackson uh, contract year, so this will be very big for him. He needs to step up. Mackenzie Alexander again, one year. Uh, looking forward to seeing him really. Trey Wayne, so there's there's your three. Darius Phillips four. Tony Brown probably five, and I'm probably keeping a stick, so that'll be between Sims and probably Greg Maybin. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be six. I think the fact that we're going to keep um, four, maybe five safeties, they could just have one less cornerback. So uh, it's a tough group to to predict. I'm really looking forward to seeing that group this year. Yeah, me too. I think I'm 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 putting some money on Winston Rose just because he was such a star in the CFL. I know that doesn't normally translate, but um, yeah, I think I think he could oust Tony Brown. Uh, LeSean Sims is not a lock. Uh, that's a really intriguing battle, that cornerback room, I think. Jamie, who, who do you like out of that lot? Um, I'll, I'll tell you the first name that I, I really like. I really love Darius Phillips, and I think that there's a there's certainly an active chance that, that Darius Phillips could uh, get a starting role by the end of the year. Um, every single time I've seen him on defence, he's impressed me. Um, he also is impressive on punt returns, so that's added value. Um, he's definitely going to be on the roster. I think he's going to have quite a big role this year. Hmm. Nathan, anything to add to that? I think after Darius Phillips, it's a bit thin, isn't it? I mean, Winston Rose, I know you said in the CFL he had some success. He led him in interceptions, but going to be a big transition for him again without pre-season to come in and make that roster and get some playing time a lot of inexperienced guys there um i wouldn't be surprised perhaps if there were some cuts around the league the bengals maybe tried to add someone with a bit of experience to fill one of those positions um that's the one position i think that there might be a free agent signing um incoming right uh, finally uh safeties We've got Von Bell, Jesse Bates, Sean Williams, Brandon Wilson and Trayvon Henderson. We normally carry four. I think that's pretty obvious that Trayvon Henderson's going to miss out, even though they're kind of quite high on him. Uh, I don't think there's much to discuss there. I am looking forward to seeing Von Bell a lot, actually. Um, Anything, guys, that you want to add, Pete? Yeah, there's just a possibility that if they decide to cut um, a few of the linebackers, like uh, Jordan Evans, I'll let you do the accent. They may do that and keep an extra safety because they're going to play Sean Williams in a, um, a sort of dying linebacker role. So they may keep five safeties for that reason, especially as Brendan Wilson will be there for special teams and, and can get injured that way. So um, maybe six cornerbacks and all five safeties and then cut someone in the linebacker um, room. Jamie, anything to add to that? It seems like a pretty straightforward 
Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily cut and dry that, that uh, Trayvon Henderson doesn't make this roster. Um, as Pete says, the, there may be an appetite for keeping extra safety um, on the roster if they want to be um, creative with, with what Sean Williams brings. Um, Sean Williams might be on the um, might be an outside chance for a surprise cut um, just because he doesn't have an obvious starting role at the moment uh, with with Bell being brought in. Um, but it would be a shame to see him go because he's done an awful lot for the club. Okay, just on, in a sentence to wrap this up, it's not really worth going through special teams because Huber, Harris, and Bullock for good or for bad, are locks in there. Um, uh, Jamie, in a sentence, are you expecting many surprises here in training camp? Not hugely. Um, I, I think training camp is going to be so affected by the changes that, that's, that are being brought that as an exercise, I'm not entirely sure there's going to be an awful lot you can take out of it. Um, everything does seem to be benefiting um, the players that are incumbent in their roles, um, particularly the lack of uh, pre-season games. And therefore, um, I can't really see much in the way of a surprise. Pete, any surprise um, for you? It doesn't seem that the coaches are prone to springing surprises on us at all. Uh, I think they pick the men and say, right, they're ours and we're going to coach them up. And I don't see many changes other than injuries or illness, as Jamie said. Great stuff. Thank you to Jamie and Pete. Sorry we've got a rush, but this is the, these are the rules of Zoom. Um, we'll speak to you soon, guys, yeah? All right. Have a good evening. Bye. Cheers, lads. See you. Bye. So there we go. A big thank you to Jamie Rowe at Troy Quiet Beaster and Peter Dadswell at Dadders for uh, joining us to discuss the roster training camp. I think... I think there's a lot, once you look at it, there's a lot of position groups there. That There's a few locks there, I think, but there's a few interesting uh, battles to be had, I think, especially in the wide receiver room and the cornerback room. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to be interesting to see how those battles shake out, what players can do um, with the opportunities they get in practice to impress the coaches. So... I think more than ever, and there's been a few, you've seen it, I think Jordan Evans was um, <laughs> on Twitter showing off that, you know, he's getting in good shape. Joe Boy Burrow's got his shirt off for the lads showing um, that he's in good shape at the moment. So I think, you know, coaches are going to be looking at these guys and seeing how they come in and what physical condition they're in because you can't just rely on being the sort of guy that shows up in a game and has you know a couple of interceptions and forces your way onto the roster or the way that Damon Willis did last year with a few impressive performances. You've got to turn up. You've got to look like you're in shape. You've got to run fast. You've got to impress the coaches that way. So you might see a few of these guys really chomping at the gym and you know really getting themselves in good nick to um, force their way on in that respect. Uh, this is turning into a bit of a bumper episode, actually. So let's rattle through our correspondence. Uh, we are, of course, at uh, Hooday underscore UK on Twitter and Bengals UK on Facebook. Uh, Nigel Doughty at Doubters. Big shout out for this book, Bengals Fans Must Read. Keep up the good work on my go-to podcast. Thank you, Nigel. And the booking question it does look really interesting, actually. Paul Brown's ghost. 
how the Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals are haunted by the man who created them, by Jonathan Knight, uh, K-N-I-G-H-T. That's Paul Brown's ghost, and I will be getting that because I'm actually off on holiday next week, so we're having a break from the podcast next week. Um, so I might. You're, get getting a, you're going out to St. Lucia, Sam, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm going to Wales <laughs> to see Jordan Evans. Um, <laughs> no, I'm going to Wales and the uh, camping, and the weather looks atrocious. So uh, don't be surprised the next time you hear from me, I'll be uh, have a, a massive cold and be really, really pissed off. Um, right, well, more so than I usually am. Uh, Aurelius FC at Aurelius 13. Really interested to see how the wide receiver room shakes out. We have some nice variations and we can really exploit matchups. And that goes back to our discussion. Auden Tate, who I think is a good player, actually. We might we might see him a lot down in the red zone um, uh, this season, I think. Um, especially with Tyler Eifert not being there anymore. Um, Ken Davis at Ken S. Davies. Uh, still troubled by our kicker situation. What if Randy Bullock gets bulldozed or Bullock dozed when his first field goal goes terribly wrong and ends up on crutches after seven minutes of the game? What then? Given he scored 105 out of our total points of 279 last season, my quick calculation, is that a bit of a risk having no other kicker and having zero competition that can't really help either? Nathan, you're... You're a big fan of Randy, so off you go. Mate, Randy, to be fair to the geese, had a good season last year, and I, I'm happy to eat my words when I'm wrong. You know, I'm an opinion, opinionated gentleman, but like Randy played well last season. I still am not convinced that the natural ability and the when it when we need him the most in a proper game where we're not two and fourteen, will he be the sort of geezer that can bang one from fifty two to get us home? I don't think he will, but You've got to give the geezer his due. He deserves his roster spot. He's earned it. And I hope he continues to prove me wrong. But call me sceptical. Okay, sceptical. Next question. Duncan at Dastardly Duncan. Solid handle. Given no pre-season, therefore lack of opportunity to make an impact, who's your pick for most surprising player to make the roster and most surprising player not to make the roster? Keep up the awesome work, as always. I'm going for someone like Jamie said, a Sean Williams or even a Gio Bernard. I still think there's, you know, some trade activity that could be done, although it's unlikely. Um, yeah. Um, any any thoughts on that, Nathan? The only guy possibly. I mean, we were talking about him in the, you know, in the preview. People were saying you could, you said he might make a jump. I mean. There's a chance if Billy Price is just shit in training camp that they might just move on from him. If there's a couple of guys that, like an O'Shea Dugas who has a really good camp or someone like that that they feel that can, you know, step up or another guy that they've drafted or for an undrafted free agent, maybe they say, you know what, Billy, like, you know, we're not moving on here or maybe they try and ship him out and get um, some form of a draft pick for him. I think I agree with the Sean Williams one. There's a chance there. Gio Bernard, I think less so. He knows the system. He's quite a good blocker. Um, financially, he's definitely earning more than his keep. But with the Bengals having so much cap room, I, don't, I think they'd probably be happy enough to sit there um, and absorb that. And I think, as I said before, the COVID landscape makes it uh, almost 
counterintuitive to chop and change too much, right? Uh, yeah, you don't you don't want to be going with tons of undrafted. It's not the year to take a punt on some geezer who's an undrafted free agent and doesn't know the playbook as well, has never played an NFL snap before, never even played a preseason snap to just say, right, mate, you know, we're going to cut an experienced veteran here for a guy that doesn't work out. We saw it with Damien Willis last year. Initially, he impressed. By the end of the season, he was a footnote. So I just don't think it's the year for a gamble. Okay, Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger. Which Bengals players are you choosing for the following? Number one, to look after your child for the week. Number two, go out for a night out on the town with. And three, to be your bodyguard. I'm going uh, to look after each other. I'm going for Gio Bernard. I think he'd be great with children. And he's more or less the same height. So he would be good, I think. And I would also choose uh, uh, Gio for a night out on the town because he's, you know, he's a good laugh, isn't he? So, uh, and to be my bodyguard, I'm going for O'Shea Dugas because I think he's got a name that sounds like some <laughs> 1970s gangster. And I think he'd be he'd be good, and he's obviously a big lad because he's an uh, an offensive lineman. What about you, Nathan? I reckon look after my kid. I reckon Drew Sample would be a nice nice lad. Yeah, he's got massive hands again. So say if you've got a little <laughs> lad, you can cradle him nice, and he no no worries about dropping him. I reckon he'd be a nice sort of young friendly lad. You know, that'd be good with my son. Um, in terms of the what was the other one? Sorry, night out on the it town. Was, uh, Oh, night out on the town, Joe Boy Burrow all day. I, I, me and Joe Boy, I reckon, be a good duo on the town. Yeah, yeah. But like he's he's so much younger than me though, which you, you always forget. But I still think me and him would be a good combo, like blending the youth with the experience. You know, like playing the clubs a bit, and maybe head onto a casino at the end of the night, see where it takes us. But like <laughs> me and Joe Boy would have a good night out. Um, and then in terms of bodyguard, how can you look anywhere else than Carl Lawson? Like the geese an absolute animal. He he would, you know, you would. You could have a, a gang of people attacking you, and you'd you back him to um, swat them away with his paws. Well, there we go. Uh, Gino Atkins would be a good shout for bodyguard as well, wouldn't he? Um, he ain't got a height, Gino, though, has <clears throat> he? That's the problem. Uh, Dom at Bumbling Bengal. Who on the roster do you think is most likely to be a surprise cut like Georgia Loka was a couple of years ago? I think we've discussed that, Dom. Hope you're all doing well, and thank you for the watch parties over the past few months. Really great way to brighten up an otherwise quite bleak time. Uh, you're very welcome, Dom, and they were, they were good fun. 19 weeks we did it for, uh, all throughout lockdown. Of course, now we've got, certainly in the UK, we're kind of coming out of, of lockdown uh, cautiously, uh, and now we've got football back, we've got cricket back, we've got baseball back in the States, and the NBA was upcoming, so it felt, and training camp, starting uh, all being well uh, in the NFL. So it felt like the right time to start, okay, okay, we've got other things in our lives now, let's move on. But yeah, they were great fun, uh, really kept the community together and also allowed people to kind of uh, see the people like Ken Anderson and Boomer Esiason and James Brooks and Eddie Brown and Tim McGee and Tim Cromroy, uh, Dave Lapham, Jeff Blake, Carl Pickens, all these amazing players that we've had playing for our club. It showed people what they're all about for perhaps the first time, uh, which I think which was really great. 
Um, just one quick thing there, son. I think um, on behalf of all Bengals fans, to wish you a big thank you for organising them all, digging out that footage and um, helping people along with the finding where they are in the game, commentary and all that. We much appreciate for all of us throughout this time. Yeah, no worries. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, Duncan Eden at Slam Dunk the Funk. Solid handle. Looking forward to seeing the O-line battle, to be honest. Could be a few surprises sprung. Any truth in Nathan buying a boat whilst on his vacation? Hearing an offshore rival podcast may be forming on said boat, Cincy Nutter. Hashtag speculation is rife. Um, well, last year, you know, last year, it feels like a year ago, last week Paul Dana did offer his services as a co-host of Cincy Nutter. And I have come up with an alternative solid handle sort of jingle as well. So what do you think of this, Nathan? <laughs> Solid handle. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's it's a bit, it's a shit, isn't what it? Is, what is that? Eh? I, I I just don't think it can match the the original solid handle. All right, okay. Um, Michael Smith. I'm still having a word with HR though for all these holidays that you've been taking. Anyway, Michael Smith <laughs> at solid underscore handle. Solid handle. With the pre-season gone, is the likelihood of a shortened regular season a possibility? We've discussed that, Mike. A non-Bengals question, what was the best thing about the 1980s? Uh, I don't think you were even born in the 1980s, were you, Nathan? When were you, when, when were you born? Oh, it was 1990, mate. I missed it by four months. Oh, goodness, me. So this is a question for uh, Mr. Old Boy here. Um you were probably at your absolute peak in the eighties, some of you. Is that you in your like youthful bear? No, my, my, your, your that, that the eighties were nostalgic for me because I was a young kid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then the nineties yeah, yeah, yeah. were the memorable one. Well, equally as memorable for different reasons because I went to university and doing things uh, that I would never have dreamt of been doing. You know, when I was <laughs> in the eighties, let's put it that way. Um, a few cigarettes. A few. <laughs> Um, a few other things like, you know, anyway, let's not go down there, that road. Um, but the 80s, I mean, the 80s were rubbish, really. But uh, they really were. Fashion, you know, technology was rubbish. Uh, everything was rubbish. But it was also great at the same time. I could reel off a whole bunch of stuff. Top Deck Shandy was amazing in the 80s. Those sort of golf visors that people wore uh, were amazing. Sport was amazing in the 80s as well. You know, football, basketball. Certainly basketball was a real golden age. Um, and, of course, it was the decade when I started supporting the Bengals. So I'd have to say American football as well. That was the best thing about the 80s, I think. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, on that nostalgic note, I think we'll leave it there. I say we're going to be taking a break next week. Uh, because I am on holiday and I don't trust Nathan with any of the equipment. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> let's just hope training camp goes smoothly and uh, they can kind of, you know, if there is and there will be the odd uh, uh, positive test, let's hope people stay safe, people can quarantine and isolate successfully uh, and they can get moving, which is what we want, which is what we all want really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, like I said, we all want football back. We are excited. The Bengals have got a new franchise quarterback and are ready to go. Um, it's been a bit of a rough 2020, we can all agree. So I think hopefully everything runs smoothly and we can look forward to an exciting season ahead. 
Indeed. So uh, do take care of yourselves and stay safe. Uh, we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. And until that time, it is a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.